This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Tuesday, September 15, 2020. And there are only 11 trading days left in the, in the month. And, of course, 11 days, 11 days left in the quarter as well. So we're going to be ending the quarter. Then we're going to move into earning seasons again starting next month. Now, the fourth quarter, then, is coming up pretty fast. And then into the year, of course. But, you know, it's been a pretty strange year. Uh, we're coming, trying to come out of a recession. And I heard just recently, just today that they're trying to reshut down San Diego County here on the West Coast, or they're thinking about it, after they opened it up just a couple of weeks ago. Think about that. Restaurants, gyms, they can't survive when you keep shutting down or reopening. They're not going to survive. And there's hundreds of thousands of restaurants haven't been able to reopen so far. Yeah, I know it's bad. I know that the coronavirus is bad some places, but... You, the economy won't survive this kind of open, close, open, close, open, close. It just can't. You know, it's just not not a good situation. It certainly is. Okay, so we got 11, 11 trading days left. Fourth quarter is almost upon us. And, you know, we're really dealing with some, a lot of volatility. And the question is, how do, you, how do you handle it? How do you compensate for the volatility? I'm Steve Peasley, and, I'm, and today in this program and podcast... We're going to do my, I will do my best to provide some answers to you. Uh, financial or investment questions are always welcome, but that's all I want to talk about is financial investment questions. And of course, if you want some strategies, I'll try to help you with that. And, you know, I know you're going to call and ask about individual stocks and we'll talk about them. Always do. So you know, give me a call. Time to call me right now. This is a call-in show. You guys drive the show, not me. 888-99-CHART is the number. 888-992-4278. So the market was, uh, actually was up most of the day, and it didn't end, to end up, but it was kind of odd with the Dow only ending up two points. The NASDAQ much better at 134, and the SP much better at 18 points. But the Dow just couldn't hold its gains, and you know, it started tumbling there. So it was kind of a strange ending of the day, but that's okay. You know, um, we're going to, you know, it's going to be driven by coronavirus news, uh, both in how many, you know, if we start to reinfect more and more people or and or get a, a more better news on a on a um, uh, uh, treatments. I, I mean, I think we're getting pretty good at the treatments. I really do. But we're really waiting for that vaccine. I mean, that would be the thing that would drive the market higher. But, you know, we're getting good and bad news, you know, uh, on the vaccine front. So we'll see. What's what's really disturbing is we're, uh, uh, both sides of the aisle are trying to make the vaccine a political football. And, you know, let's just let the vaccine, the, the companies do their thing, let the FDA do its thing about Phase three trials. Let's just let the science be the science, whatever it is. 
You know, we don't need to talk about, oh, you just want to push the FDA to get it out there faster. Oh, you just want to push to keep the economy shut so you can win. Both sides, we don't need to talk about this. We need to talk about let the science work and let the FDA do its job. Hopefully, we can get a vaccine as soon as possible to save as many lives as possible. I mean, that's what it is about, isn't it? Come on. Relax. You can talk about everything else, but let's just be together on the on the COVID nineteen. Anyways, that's my thing. Um, you, okay, you can get we can get started. You know, we've been trying to move pretty fast, and let's go ahead and take our first call of the day. So here's the first call. Hi, my name is Adam. I'm in the the army, and I was calling because I want to buy a position in insurance, and I was looking at MetLife. Mike, Echo, Tango, they look like they have a pretty decent dividend as well as healthy payout ratio. And I was just curious what you all thought about that. Thanks very much. Love the show. Okay, MetLife Insurance, it is a 34 billion company. So it's very large, a global provider of life insurance, annuities, uh, employee benefits, asset management services, uh, their, their earnings were, were $6.06 a share last year, $6.06. This year it's going to be five forty-five, and then next year six oh one. Stock is $37. So that's telling you the P.E. ratio is very low, okay, six, six, six and a half P.E. Range is 4 to 14. It never has had a very large P.E., mostly because it doesn't grow fast, never has grown fast. It is growing, but sales growth last quarter was down. Quarter before that was up big, so it's kind of erratic that way. They pay a four point nine percent dividend. Well, four five percent. Let's round it out to five percent of thirty seven dollars. You know, is like you know dollar eighty, dollar ninety, and they're going to make six dollars next year per share. So it's easily way under the, our rule of thumb of we like not to be over sixty percent. So 60% uh, of the earnings, and this is only, what, 25% or so, 30%. So it's way below. We like that. That's very healthy. That means the dividend is very secure. That's what that means, especially with a $9.57 per share cash flow. They don't have hardly any debt. So it's a good, strong, underpriced company. That's how you could describe this company. Now, the chart has been moving sideways for several months, right, after bump, falling sharply, then bouncing back. Now it's been moving sideways. So, and it had an, a, a poor day-to-day, down 3.42%. But if you buy this, you buy it for that 4.9% dividend and the strength of the company to continue to pay that. You don't buy it necessarily for growth. MetLife, M-E-T, everyone. You listen to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. Summer's basically over, even though it's pretty hot where I live. But for investors, the need to remain vigilant never ends. With strong crosswinds of volatility and risk tolerance affecting the client decisions you make, you must manage and learn to manage your fear and grief. You must. That's the only two things that matter as far as investing. Fear and grief. Do not let them control your decisions. So we can do a better job of managing risk, balancing and rebalancing our portfolios. We can do that. So, but that job requires information and strategies and help. We can help you with that. Got to deal with this volatility and we'll help you. So we should talk about that. 
Your participation is important. Participation is important. It's always part of the mix of the program. So we're taking your calls live, 888-99-CHART. It's an Invest Talk Tuesday. Steve Peasley is here today taking your calls live. How's your portfolio doing? Are you prepared for continuing market volatility? You've got questions, so call InvestTalk. 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART. Okay, well, what do we talk about? Let's, you know, our main talking, our focus point. We don't want to talk about anything else but that right this minute. And that is, now is, the time to, time, now is not the time to worry about the fiscal deficit, according to Munchen. The, you know, the Fed's balance sheet, we're not, he thinks you should not worry about it. That, now, Steve Munchen is the Treasury Secretary. And he said lawmakers should not allow fears over the federal deficit or the Fed's balance sheet to delay an additional COVID-19 relief package. Okay, and Munchen with the White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, they are leading the administration's COVID-19 relief negotiations. They're trying to get both sides, of House and Republicans, together, come up with another uh, economic relief package. Not having a lot of work, a lot of luck about that. Um, and, you know, regardless, uh, these two guys think that we still need it, that we, we it is kind of important that we have another relief package because the COVID-19 is still with us and it's still causing damage and, and there's still parts of the country slow uh, shutting down, re-shutting down, reopening it. It's, so it's still doing the damage. Even though the economy has been recovering, it, it's not going to recover completely without more help. That's what their thinking is. So, and they said, you shouldn't worry about the deficit at this point. You worry about it later when we're healthier. That, that's what they're thinking. That's and Is it right or wrong? I wish I was smart enough to know the answer. I do know these things. The economy is still hurting. It is improving, but it's not going to fully recover as long as we have the economy not fully reopened is not going to recover. We still have a lot of people unemployed, and they still need help. You know, all those things are true. So, do we? How much money do we need to spend to help those people? And that's where the difficulty is. Two sides can't agree, so nothing happens. So, other things I want to talk about today. Um, there was a survey by Bank of America. Uh, talking about money managers and what they were worried about. Uh, I also want to mention the Social Security, when to take it, who, what there was a, a a study about when people are taking it and the wrong decisions people are making. And finally, uh, if we can get to it, I want to get to the GMs uh, is looking at building a flying car. Seriously, a flying car. They're looking at it. That'd be so funny. Let's go to Kay in Phoenix. How you doing, Kay? What's going on out there? I'm doing good. So, um, yeah, I actually have um, two questions. Um, the first uh-huh. one is on lemonade, uh, LMND. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, I kind of like the idea of, um, you know, applying tech to insurance, and I bought into it at 57 
And I think as of today, it's down to 47. Uh, and I'm kind of confused. How do you see it? Is it like for long term? Should I dollar cost average into it as it goes down? Um, no, you should not. It's not strong enough. You do not. This, uh, Lemonade, everybody. L-M-N-D, Lemonade Inc., offers homeowners and re- renters insurance in the United States and continent and, and, and liability insurance in Europe. Uh, it is a new company. doesn't make money. It's not going to make money. It's going to lose $2.91 next year. Sales growth is pretty strong, uh, but it's a $2.6 million with uh, $29 million in sales per quarter. This is not – This is, IPO came out here in July. I mean, this is a brand new company, uh, and it's already trading below the IPO price. You do not. There's no reason to even own this. It's not making any money. So, okay. Am I, I, yeah, I wouldn't. Be, question, I wouldn't own it. Yeah. Go ahead. My second question is with Chewy, C H W Y. It's um, I think it's owned by PetSmart. Yeah, that that's the dog dog treats or dog food company. Yeah, provides pet products to Chewy.com, retail website, and its mobile application. It's a $22 billion company. Sales growth is 40, 40 to 50% in the last two quarters, and it has been pretty consistent with pretty high sales growth. They also don't make money, and they also are an IPO that came out in June of last year. So it's a little over a year old, this company. Uh, they're they they're going to lose 16 cents a share. You're picking companies that lose money. Uh, I, I, I you know this these are highly risk high risk companies that should only be a very small part of your portfolio. But buy companies that make money. You're going to do a lot better in the long run. I kind of like Chewy as a as an idea, but and I like the growth rate, but it's high risk and pretty expensive at this. point. Thanks for the call, Kay. I appreciate it. Okay, on the Nest Invest Talk, uh, a Bank of America survey has revealed that fund managers no longer see a recession and are shifting into industrials and value stocks. Is this the right strategy? That's going to be tomorrow, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley. I'm ready to take your questions live, 888-99-CHART. Are there special rules when you're investing in growth stocks? Or what's your question? Why not ask it right now at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888-99-CHART. Hey, how's it going? I have a long-term retirement question. What is your opinion in buying beaten down retail REITs and beaten down apartment REITs in a IRA? Looking forward to your answer on the show. Thank you. Okay, REIT, Real Estate Investment Trust, everybody. And the thing about REITs, is that and the thing that is good about them is that they have to pay 90% of their earnings out in the form of a dividend to you, the shareholder. And when they do, they don't have to pay corporate income tax. Okay, so that's the that's the good thing about a REIT. Now you still have to make sure that they make money, 
you still have to make sure, do the fundamental work that they're not, you know, uh, not being run poorly. So, but let's take a look at the two sectors you're talking about. And REITs, you know, they can be in all kinds of different things. We're talking about apartment REITs and a retail REIT. Now, retail meaning retail businesses. I'm not keen on the retail businesses because of the damage done in, done to that whole sector by Amazon and others. Uh, you know, so I'm not keen on buying a, re, a retail REIT. I am much more comfortable buying an apartment REIT for the dividend because there's constantly a constant income. Apartments are always needed. People always need a place to live. As long as it's a well-run REIT, I have no problem with an apartment REIT. Or you can have other kinds of REITs, everybody. You know, you can have a, a, a office REIT. You can have a warehouse REIT. There's, there's, there's all kinds of them. There's a REIT for towers for cell phones, a REIT for uh, uh, almost every kind or slice of the real estate market out there. You got to just remember, you got to look to make sure they make money. Is they don't owe any money. How are they going to pay you 90% of nothing form of a dividend? Got to have it. So here on InvestDoc and my company, KPP Financial, based in Irvine, we operate with a philosophy of independent thinking and shares success. So we try to provide unbiased guidance uh, for everybody. We don't try. We do. We provide unbiased guidance. guidance. And also, we have a philosophy of parallel investing, meaning I will buy the same things as my clients, same time, same price, same percentages. In my own, with my own money, I'm in all my programs with my money. I encourage you to take advantage of our offer to provide free portfolio review assessments. That's a valuable offer, and we don't try to talk into anything. We don't try to push you anywhere. We don't try to make you become a client. It's really an effort. If you become a client, great, but it's really an effort to, you know, help you understand. What risk you're taking, what your portfolio is, does it match what kind of risk you want to be in or should be in? You know, and are you in good companies, good mutual funds, good stocks? Are, are, are these, you got a proper balanced portfolio? Those kinds of questions are what we really are answering for you. So, you know, of course we want you to be a client, but that's that's just part of it. Okay, so if you want to talk to us or send us your portfolio, just send me a message to investtalk.com. Send me an email. See, you can also call KPP Financial Office in Irvine, California. You do that too. Okay, let's keep moving. Here comes another call question that came in earlier. 888-99-CHART. Hey, guys. This is Rick from Baton Rouge. I wanted to get your opinion on Qdel Corporation, Q-D-E-L. I've added to my position today because of the recent drop-off with uh, Abbott receiving FDA emergency use authorization for the COVID-19 test. Qdel has been increasing their earnings and their sales over the last couple quarters, pre- and post-COVID, and I just want to know your thoughts on it. Thank you. Love the show. Okay. uh, Qdel Corporation. Uh, This year, their earnings are going to jump to $6.99 from $2.97 last year. Then next year, $8.47. It's a huge increase in earnings. Sales have increased dramatically, too. The most recent quarter, June quarter, up 86% from a year-ago quarter. The quarter before that one, the March quarter, up 18%. And the December quarter, up 15%. So they're growing very fast. They're a $6.8 billion company. 
6.8 billion, so they're mid-cap, trying to move to the big-cap area. And what do they do? QDEL, QDEL Corporation, develops rapid diagnostic tests for infectious diseases, women's health, and gastrointestinal diseases. So obviously you can see why they've done so well. And the stock really spiked up to $300 before it fell down to 162 So in August, the first part of August, it was at $300. Now it's 162, almost cut in half. So the question is, why? Why? Maybe it got way ahead of itself, and maybe now it's a good value. That's really what you got to ask. At 162, we're talking about uh, a PE of about 20, and the range is 14 to 700. Return on equity is very high at 26%. Debt is really low. Uh, mutual funds have been buying it. So it's a pretty strong company, pretty strong company. This might be an buying opportunity. It looks like it hit a lot of support, and now it's trying to make a recovery. I want to find out why that big drop, and I take a look at all the news before I buy. And regular listeners know, okay, we got to go to trivia question? Okay. So as we go to break, here's my trivia question, everybody. Over seven days this month, the market will see the greatest number of IPOs, initial public offerings, since December of 2006. So how many IPOs will be coming? How many will be come out in the next seven days? And over the time, is the annual number of IPO increasing or decreasing? IPOs increasing or decreasing? I'll have the answers right back, right after the break. 888-99-CHARTS. This is Invest Talk. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Steve Peasley is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Okay, here's my trivia question. Over seven days this month, the market will see the greatest number of IPOs since December of 2006. So how many IPOs are there? Initial public offerings. Companies going public. What that is. And a quick explanation of what it means to go public, the management of a private company has a lot of control over its operations, right? But raising funds from investors is very difficult for a private company. To access more funds, they can go public. To for the private for the management of the private company, the owner of the private company, to have an extra strategy and, and realize profits, they go public. Those are some of the reasons they do that. Okay? So IPOs can produce billions of dollars for them to use in operating the business. Not necessarily billions, hundreds of millions also. So in 2019, there were 159 IPOs in the United States. 2019, 159. And that was half as many as there were 20 years ago during the dot-com bubble. Of course, remember, all those dot-coms pretty much collapsed and went out of business. An IPO is an indicator of perceived investor confidence more IPOs when the market is strong everybody's positive about the market okay so how many IPOs are slated by September 21st that's you know there's 20 of them 
20 IPOs coming out by the 21st. That's a lot. Some of them are JFROG, symbol F-R-O-G, the Sunnyvale company-based software development and information technology operations. You know, they valued about $3.3 billion. GoodRx, GoodRx is a startup company operating a telemedicine platform, free-to-use website and mobile app. Uh, Polenter Technologies, PLTR. Uh, Polenter Technologies is a private American software company that specializes in big data analytics. They're, they're out of Denver, Colorado. And, of course, there's others that are pretty popular. There's the one... Uh, that Warren Buffett is started. Uh, I don't remember that. A software, a cloud-based company, I think. So there's lots of them coming out. Remember, IPOs are very risky. Very risky. Always remember that. We're going to go to Steve in San Jose. Steve. Steve, you there? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, hi. Uh, I just had a quick question uh, pertaining to BDX, uh, Becton Dickinson. I do own the yeah. stock, um, but just recently I've just been seeing some volatility from it. Uh, just wanted your thoughts on that. Yeah, I had a bad day today, down four, uh, over 4% down one day. So it looks, it's weakening. Let's take a look. Becton Dickinson, BDX, develops medical supply devices, instrument systems, and Reagents used by healthcare institutions. It's a big company, $65 billion, very big company. Um, it, earnings are, are going to fall this year to $9.95 from $11.67. And that's happened with a lot of companies because all the focus in healthcare has been COVID. So companies making other devices and other systems and supplies kind of been left on the shelf. They don't need those things. Or Everything was focused on COVID. So there's a lot of problems for companies that did other parts of the medical field. and uh, But back to this, we'll recover next year to $12.84. Now, it's a $226 company, SOC. So that means it's about a 20 PE going forward. And the range is 16 to 27. Return on equity is very good at 16%. Pays a small dividend, 1.4. So it looks like there was a little, you know, Probes, false positive COVID 19 test results in US. Uh, the news, you know, false positive COVID tests that they're looking at that might be an issue for them. I don't know. We have to find out. Long term, this is a very strong company and it will recover. It depends on your time horizon, though. Uh, it has trouble getting above 282, 283 price. Um, and now it's 226. It's been falling for ever since August 1st. So the, the correction, this most recent correction we're dealing with has hurt it pretty bad, worse than other kind of companies. But frankly, I think this might find support right in this area. We'll see. I need to check out the news and find out why it's falling. But it's a great company, Steve. BDX. Thanks for calling. I appreciate it. Okay, a survey by Bank of America says most money managers are getting worried about the tech stocks. 80% say tech is the most uh, crowded trade, meaning everybody wants in it. And when everybody wants in it, that means there's nobody else 
left to get in it to keep pushing the prices up. Remember, stock prices go up when demand goes up. And that means you got to have more and more and more people wanting to buy it. When they say it's a crowded trade, that means most people are in it. So where are they going to get more money from to keep pushing things up? And that's a Bank of America survey of money managers. Okay. Um, so uh, for this is ba- basically talking about big tech, big technologies. Okay. So, and it's kind of true. Okay. I want to talk about Social Security and early taking the money. You know, you can take the money from like age 62 on up to age 70. But the earlier you take it, the less you'll get on a monthly basis. Now, we've known that. I've talked about that. And and I'm going to wait till I'm 70 because I'll get my own max it out. But there was a study done. The average household will lose $95,000 over a lifetime because of taking the Social Security benefit too early. Too early. And only 4% of the older Americans claim at the age that would maximize their benefits. So only 4% wait to age 70. Everybody else takes it early. Now, you know, you the full retirement age is like 67. So that's what normally people take now. But that's, you know, you can still make, you can make 8% more per year just by waiting until you're 70. Now, of course, it all depends if you need the money or you're unhealthy, maybe you should take earlier because, you know, there's less years. Uh, I think I've talked about the break-even point is around age 80, if I remember right. Uh, So if you waited till 70 or took it really early, when do you start really making a profit on waiting? I think that is 80 years old. And with people living longer and longer, I might not live longer than 80, but I'm pretty sure my wife is. She's in great shape. Okay, so I'm waiting for the benefit to kick in till 70 to really help my spouse out. Not necessarily me. But you have to think about those things. That's your job. Okay, look at the clock. I can see we have time to fit in another caller question. This time, the topic concerns diversification. Hello. Great work on your podcast. I wanted to mainly ask about diversification. And by that, I mean, I noticed that you guys have a tendency to recommend that your clients tend to scale back certain stocks down to like no more than 10%, like between five and 10. And yet Warren Buffett, for example, has like a large stake in certain companies, like, you know, 20%, 40%. And then to complicate things even further, index funds and mutual funds have like a limit where they can only put on like 2% for a certain company, 3%, something like that. So what is the difference? Like, why is it that folks like Warren Buffett can get away with large percentages, whereas we should do smaller percentages. Thank you. Bye. Actually, that's a very good question. There is an argument for a focused portfolio. There is an argument for a focused portfolio. But we're not Warren Buffett. You're not Warren Buffett. You know, he has had a history of being able to buy and focus on those companies that make money for the long term. He buys, he wants to buy the business, and his holding period is forever. He'd, like, he'd rather buy the whole business, 100%. That's his philosophy. And he wants to be focused with that. 
And there's nothing wrong with that, but the average person, the person I'm talking to, the average uh, money manager even, we're much better served by having proper diversification, not too focused of a portfolio, but don't, we, you know, you'll hear me talk about having 15 to 25 stocks. We, we usually never go over 33 stocks, 3% each. But, you know, the question is, how do I manage the risks of a portfolio? Remember, everybody is a little bit different. Not everybody's Warren Buffett. He doesn't care. Remember, he constantly makes money from his insurance companies to put into these stocks that he likes. He never runs out of money. He doesn't have a set figure that he invests. He keeps, and he's got tons of cash right now, more than he's ever had sitting on the sidelines. You know, just sitting there because he doesn't know where to put it. He doesn't see the, 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 the opportunities at this point. He likes to buy in recession. He really does. He'll wait for years. Yes. But the idea is, is we're not Warren Buffett. We can't pick those nuggets. And, and over the recent years, I, I don't want to say anything negative, but Berkshire Hathaway has not performed that well in recent history. Uh, but over the long term, it's the world's best investor. So, good question. I like the question. You're listening to Invest Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley, and I do encourage you to explore uh, the financial investment information we leave on, posted on our website, investtalk.com. I would appreciate it if you go there. You can learn more about the various investment strategies and opportunities we offer through KPP Financial. Uh, for instance, we have a, a strategy called Equity Income Plus program. It's a dividend that we buy stocks with high dividends, and then we give it a little boost by with uh, developing a strategy to sell covered calls get us some income or additional income. It's, 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 it's something that works out well. So if you're serious about achieving financial freedom, you'll want to reach out to me or Justin Klein at KPP Financial in Irvine, California. You can learn more right now. Go to investtalk.com. Send me an email. Ask any questions you want. Now I'm taking your questions live, 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. Good news, Steve and Justin have recorded another Rapid Fire Hour podcast. They take caller questions at a faster pace, but you still get their unbiased answers. In this special bonus show podcast, you'll hear responses to 34 finance and investment questions. The theme of the program concerns market processes, best practices for investors, and explanations of various terms and investment opportunities. So tell your friends, search Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, or investtalk.com for the free August Rapid Fire Hour. Independent thinking, shared success. This is InvestTalk, made possible by KPP Financial. 8899 chart. We're going to talk to George who wants to talk about AMAT, Applied Materials. George. Hi. Uh, thank hey, you man. for what you're doing, guys. It's really amazing show. I really enjoy it. Um, thank you. I kind of, I'm considering to take small position uh, position in uh, AMAT. Uh, you know, they had okay. a April um, numbers weren't that good. They had a uh, revenue down five percent almost, but then uh, um, July they came back up at eleven, and uh, there was little dip in the price. So I'm considering to do a little initial step in. Okay. AMAT. Uh, uh, Applied Materials, Inc. It's headquartered in Santa Clara. Manufactures 
disposition, inspection, and etching cleaning equipment used in flat panel display fabrications. Okay, they're going to make $4.09 this year. They've always made money. They're going to make $64.64 next year, and it's a $57 stock, so it's not expensive. Now, mind you, the applied materials never has been expensive because their five-year average P is 7 to 22, and they're kind of right in the middle of that range right now. So it's it's not cheap, but it, on a chart, it does look like it pulled back to a nice pullback area. And this would be a good place to maybe step in. So you might, George, you might want to go ahead and step in at this point, uh, knowing that this this area of the market it can be pretty volatile at times. This stock was down in the uh, what thirty eight dollars area at the bottom of the COVID correction. Okay, so and it got up as high as sixty eight, and that was as high before the COVID, and that's a recent high at the beginning of August or the middle of August. So now it pulled back to 57. So this could be a good buy point, George. Yeah, I'm okay, okay with it. I do like the company. It's strong. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. 888-99-CHART, everybody. 888-992-4278. GM. Did you hear this? GM is looking at building a flying car. I'm not joking. I'm being deadly serious here. What is that? Well... So they start looking at an aerial taxi, and they're just they're looking into it. They have set aside a couple of executives who are studying the idea, and they say this is the next step beyond electric cars, and it's because of their uh, because of their ultimum battery system that it kind of opens door for this. So this would be a vertical and a takeoff and landing type vehicle. So they're looking into it. That's all I can tell you. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we have one goal here to help you achieve financial freedom. And our work will continue right after this break. So get your questions in now. 888 99 Chart. You are listening to Invest Talk. It's Tuesday, and we've all been watching the news and market volatility. Steve Peasley is here now, and he's ready with unbiased answers, but you've got to call with your questions. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Hey, guys. Love your show. This is Diane from Savannah, and I wanted your thoughts on J-A-N-W-X. I've had this for a little while, and I'm seeing it bump up a little bit, and I was just wondering if I should take some gains or keep on doing the holding game. Love to hear from you. Thanks. Bye. Okay. Uh, this is Janice Henderson Global Research. It's a mutual fund. Whenever there's a five-digit symbol ending with X, that means it's a mutual fund. Um, and I don't have, I do not have a lot of information on the company other than a mutual fund. And it bumped higher than its, uh, uh, high that it had before the COVID, so it's doing quite well. I just don't know. Uh, I just don't know what it does. Uh, mutual funds are much more difficult uh, because all my software is stocks, and I could go to other software for mutual funds, but it takes so much time that I don't have enough time on the radio show. So sorry, I can't help you, but it looks like it's doing well. What you really want to look at any mutual fund, everybody 
is to see how it do, it's doing against its peer group. And you can do that at Morningstar.com. It will tell you what percentile this particular mutual fund is doing against its peer group. And I think that's free. There are Morningstar data that's not free, and you had to pay for it. You get a lot more in-depth research, which we do buy. But, um, um, you know, that looks like it's doing well, but I just don't know what it's doing. Okay? And, uh, so, everybody, I don't know if I remember talking to you about E.M. Musk's big payday. I know I mentioned I was going to talk about it, but I don't know if I ever got to it. Okay, because of the stock rise of, uh, of Tesla... Uh, he he's going to get a huge bonus. In 2018, he got 20 million shares of options, and they would vest in 12 tranches. Okay, uh, uh, so they have now split to 100 million shares because the stock split. But he now has 100 million shares, and his first tranche paid in May paid him $100 billion. Remember, he's got 12, so he's got 11 left. So so he's making huge billions of dollars. I mean, not $100 million, $100 billion for just the first tranche. That means, think about it this way, everybody. How much money did uh, Tesla make? How much money does it make? Uh, the whole company I'm talking about. Okay, they made $2.85 per share. They're going to make that next year. Okay, how much money is that? Well, to, uh, that'll be about eight, uh, eight, let's see, 2086 shares. How many shares outstanding? 700 million shares in the float. $2 times seven million is $1.7 billion. He got a hundred, what was that, right? Seven. Or is that he's made? He's going to get a lot more money than the company made. It's going to affect its earnings per share. They're going to, they're going to lose money because of his bonuses. Here. Don't you think that's a little outsized in bonuses? Don't you think it's a bit much? Bit much for one guy? I, I mean, it's a public company. You are the shareholders out there. He's going to get the lion's share of all the earnings. He's going to get more than the earnings. I don't know. It just seems he's going to make the company lose money because of his paydays. Just, just pointing it out. That's just the way it is. Anyway, tomorrow we're going to have retail. I think it's tomorrow. Retail sales come up for last month. Retail sales numbers. And they're going to be kind of important because we're looking for evidence of the economy continuing to strengthen. And people's buying and selling stuff is important. One little factoid that came out this morning that I heard, did you, there was a study done by people refinancing uh, purchases. There was a 400% plus gain in refinancing, buying, not refinancing, but financing, buying boats. 400% increase in buying boats. Hmm. Interesting. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Investop program. I will return tomorrow. Please tell your friends and family members that they can choose from over 100 archived Investop podcasts and all free e downloads. iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Investop.com. You can use any of those. 
Independent thinking, share success. This is Invest Talk, everybody. Have a great night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein, chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART.